Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic English Conversation Podcast, and this is episode number nine between Ronan and Tim. Tim is a personal friend of mine. Tim is a really, really cool guy who lives in the mountains of Montana. He is an American. He is a writer. And he just has some great stories, which is what we're going to talk about now. So in this podcast, we talk, uh, first we talk about video games, and then we talk about what Tim does. So what, what do I mean by what he does? I mean, what job does Tim have? So you should sit back, you should relax, and you should grab yourself a coffee, grab yourself a beer, grab yourself whatever it is that you like to drink. And relax and listen to the authentic English conversation between Ronan and Tim. Finds all of those things are okay. All right. Cool. I can do that. Awesome. So uh, just to get started, Mr. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Um, number one, I already said it, but what is your name? Number two, what is your go-to snack? Number three. Where in the world are you? And number four, what is the weather today? Let's see. I'm Tim. I'm in Helena, Montana. My go-to snack is uh, Clementine or a bowl of potato chips. And the weather is really, really nice today. There's no frost on the ground as it's usually been, and the sun is out and shining bright, so it should be a great day to get out there. So, like, what temperature is it there? Um, it's probably in the 50s Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah, you guys do Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're backwards over here for many reasons. <laughs> do you have any idea what 50 fahrenheit is in celsius because i have no clue i just remember like in celsius 30s like hot as balls right yes okay um and zero is freezing mm-hmm. right? okay so it's probably in the almost 10 10 degrees yeah Oh, that's pretty nice. 10 degrees is like a mild climate. That's like a hot summer's day in Ireland. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's uh, it's dry and we're high up and the sun's out strong, so there's nothing to keep it from making everything warm. So. And did you say you're high up? Is Helena an elevated city? Yeah, it's maybe 3,500 feet. So that is uh, one, probably 1,000 yards, which is about 1,000 meters. Okay, that's much easier. Let's stick with meters. Let's stick with the metric system because, you know, it's the better one, to be honest. I agree, but I'm immersed in this other one. Yeah. And uh, so just before I started recording, you were just telling me about your daily routine at this time of year. So can you just like talk a little bit about that? What do you do each day? What time do you wake up? All that jazz. Yeah. So I, I, after doing my hard work over the summer, I um, like to take it easy in the winter. And 
I've been really been getting into this routine where you start your day off with coffee and writing and write for maybe four hours or so, five hours, and then uh, lunch and go outside and have a hike or steal somebody's dog for a little while and take them into the mountains, uh, bring them back, of course, um, and then cook with the household and relax in front of the Netflix or um, my one roommate has a Nintendo 64. So we'll end the day with some Mario Kart action. Who's your character in Mario Kart? Who's your go-to? I recently switched from Toad, the little mushroom guy, to Bowser. So it's it's been a big switch. I'm happy with it, though. I love Mario Kart. I haven't played it in like a long time, and it was Nintendo Wii, but holy fuck did we get competitive with it like it's a very serious occasion when my friends and i got together to play mario kart <laughs> it's exactly it gets heated here too it's so, so much fun who did you play as um oh man we'd always switch it up but i like wario you know i really like wario yeah. going and you got some good drifting going on with wario but i just can always remember the drama when a blue shell was launched in the final oh, lap yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> like, why must you do this to me? <laughs> the anxiety and the heart rate would just be pumping. So <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How many you who would you play with? So I would have played with like my friends Paul, George, Shane, Jordan. Like these are all guys I grew up with, like and Mark back nice. in the day. And I guess that was before any of us emigrated, you know, because now out of all that group, like four, three or four of us are living abroad full time, which is pretty, pretty standard for Irish people at this time and at our demograph. So, yeah, Yeah. it's been a while since we had a real game of it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I, uh, I never had it growing up. So I would play at my cousin's house every year. And uh, my cousins, Andy and Danny, we would play with my sister. And uh, we played as adults a couple years ago when Danny got married. We were all together. That was a lot of, was a lot of fun. I, we still beat up on my sister, though. With, well, uh, that's it. I mean, there's a lot of old grudges, too. And, I mean... <laughs> We'll never forget it. We used to like take pictures of the screen afterwards just so we could <laughs> gloat after the game. And after like a month later, we'd still bring it up. <laughs> that's that's hardcore. I like that. Oh, it's, it's it was legit. It was legit. <laughs> so um, you spoke about writing. Um, what type of writing are you doing? Uh, I've been writing essays. <laughs> uh, usually, yeah, essays, it's hard. I don't know. Like what, what type of essays would you be writing? Like the sort of stuff you'd find in the New Yorker or something like that, where it's just not the journalistic pieces, but sort of the stuff where people are bringing experiences and a broader, um, bigger ideas all together. Um, so what I'm working on right now is about high, uh, a day on the trail where we were clearing the continental divide and it was just a week after the killing of george floyd um and all the protests here so i was 
had all these things about America in my mind and trying to think about racism and the metric system and all that. And uh, also walking the hydrological divide of America and kind of all those thoughts filling filling out to the horizon and stuff. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, reflective essays, I suppose. A good that's, that's, that's really cool because I guess you are in the summer, you're kind of like in the perfect environment to reflect, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're out and doing hard work and needing to fill our time. You know, it's kind of monotony uh, hiking for 12 miles a day. So it's nice to have something to think about. So like, what, what is your job? Just so for the listeners and the people who don't oh. know you. Yeah, like what, what, what is it that yeah. you do? And why do you hike for 12 hour, for twelve kilometers or miles a day? <laughs> well, I think a mile is like three kilometers. I think it's 1.4. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. One mile, I believe, is 1.4 kilometers. 14 oh, right. meters, so, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I remember we do a 5K and I was just over three miles yeah that would make sense okay yeah 1.4 that makes it okay cool um so i i'm a trail worker i work for the national forest service which is a part of the department of agriculture in america and uh i i clear trails and make sure trails are maintained for users for hikers and stock which is horses and mules and cowboys pretty much and then uh, also mountain bikers and ATVers which is the little the four-wheelers um, but uh, I spend a lot of my time in the wilderness which is a designated wilderness area where you can't have technology so we have two-man saws instead of chainsaws and we have axes and things like that and we do the same work out there with the help of horses and mules and it's hard work and long days but it's also in some of the most beautiful and calming places you'll ever see so it's uh keeps you fit and keeps you mentally healthy which is nice so you can it's a well-balanced sort of uh career that sounds so goddamn cool like when when you say there's no technology obviously that like means there's no netflix there's no internet like do you have power do you have light bulbs in your cabins (laughs) we have do you have have what i was gonna say do you have a cabin there's one cabin in our district and there we have a giant propane tank so that we hike or that we uh carry in on the mules but um yeah we have some we have a gas stove there and um propane lamps as well just in the cabin but otherwise we're camping um so we have to get further into the wilderness and things so we'll camp and we'll just have our little camp stove with four burners and cook together and uh we'll all, we're all sleeping on the ground in our tents and um you can't the rules in the wilderness you can't have can't have motorized anything so you can't have chainsaws and you can't have wheels um so you can't have like a bike or anything in the wilderness um 
uh, well, everybody brings their phone and they kind of use it in their tent for music or, or whatever, but there's no reception and you have to kind of, um, you have to be careful of your battery running out for sure. Well, um, yeah, you, you'd have to ration your battery and use it sparingly. Yeah, exactly. So like, how much do I really want to listen to this song? And this song is half a percent. So is it worth it or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the same with pictures too. You're like, this is an amazing Vista, but uh, is it worth one song, you know, before I go to bed? Or is it worth, uh, you know, yeah, maybe I'll need to take a picture of a bear later. So who knows? You never know. I was I was just going to ask you about that. If you're spending so much time in the wilderness and you're fairly isolated, what's the deal with the wildlife? So there's a good amount of wildlife uh, where we work. I work in the scapegoat wilderness, um, which is our forest district is Lincoln Ranger District, but a good portion of it is the scapegoat wilderness. And that's part of the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex, uh, and which just happens to be the most thriving grizzly bear population in the lower 48 oh, states. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's teeming, teeming with, with grizzlies. So I've had a, a run-in or two, but usually out there, they're not used to people, so they're scared of you and they run away. Um, but there's plenty of moose as well and bald eagles and, uh, moose are supposed to be even, uh, more erratic and irrational. So it's always a little disconcerting running into them, at least with grizzly bears, you kind of have an understanding of what they might do. And, um, I've heard moose are very aggressive. That's what the Canadians tell me. And like a lot of people would say, They'd rather meet a grizzly than meet a moose. I'm on I'm on that train as well. <laughs> uh, and one time I was I stopped at a rest area when I was driving in the dark through like a rainstorm, and this truck driver was telling me how, um, you know how deer and like elk you can see your headlights reflected in their eyes. Um, moose, their eyes are so dark they don't reflect. Oh, and that's they're dangerous. so, t- yeah, and they're so tall, your car will like take out their legs and then their whole body will like smash into your car. Yeah, I've heard that um, because they are so tall and so lanky, it's like yeah. you, if you're driving like a regular car, you'll hit them and they'll go right into your windshield. And well, that's how a lot of people die. But yeah. of course, the moose will just get up and walk away as if nothing happened. They're very like hardy yeah. animals. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. I can't believe how strong they are and how scary. Like before moving to Canada, I always thought, oh, bear, that's going to be the craziest thing to see. That's going to be the scariest. And then you talk to some locals and they tell you some stories about moose. And you're kind of like, so you're telling me that a moose will fuck up a bear. <laughs> that's what surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah uh we we once did some work at a uh like an alpine lake and 
we camped on one side and had to hike around to the other side to our project area each day. And every day when we came back, there'd be a moose in the middle of the lake eating. Uh, and one time he was, he was running in the middle of the lake and it looked like pretty much full speed with his water, his, with water up to his chest. It was just unbelievable to see a creature like with that much strength demonstrating yeah. it right in front of you. Well, we saw a moose one time in Canada. Um, we were out in our canoe, our rental canoe at the time, and it was early in the morning. It was coming towards the end of season, so it would have been fairly quiet and not too many people around. Okay. And yeah, we saw like a mama moose and I guess you call it a baby moose. I don't know if there's another name for a baby yeah. moose. Maybe a calf. I don't know. Probably a calf. Yeah. And yeah, the two of them were just so chill, just like drinking water and stuff. And we sat in the canoe, not making any noise, just watching with binoculars and everything. Yeah. And then it noticed us. And as soon as it noticed us, it just like bucked it into the forest like thankfully we're in the canoe so we were very safe and everything yeah but the noise of the trees falling down <laughs> as it just ran through the forest it it doesn't run around a tree it just goes right through it <laughs> ridiculous it's crazy yeah when um when you're out camping for a couple of nights at a time or anything at work, where do you leave your food? Because wouldn't that attract wild animals too? Yeah. So we have these big formerly like military ammo canisters. They're huge. They're uh, probably a, a meter across one way and about a half meter the other way. Nice use of the metric system. <laughs> uh, and they've got so like a series of latches and like locks on them so that they kind of like seal in the smell and then bears can't get in there um, so we we put all our food in there or in a bear uh, bear hang um, yeah if there's extra stuff and that's usually like bread and tortillas and chips stuff that takes up space um it's easy to lift. Um, yeah, but with we when we have horses and mules out with us, we have them like staked out in camp with us. We'll, we'll put an electric fence around the horse, and then they can graze freely within that area. And all the mules will stay with the horse, so they'll stay nearby, but they can roam around outside of the fence. Um, and then they are actually really good at keeping animals away because um, oh. they're they're big they're like some of them are like almost moose size and then they are pack animals so they stick together and they'll they'll tree a bear which is like force them up a tree and then stand at the base so that the bear can't go anywhere or uh, we once saw them they responded to like a dog sort of noise and we thought it was a wolf or a coyote maybe or a couple coyotes and they started huffing really loudly and like got into like a line and charged in this one area we didn't see didn't see the the dogs or anything but they were like reacting like there was a some sort of so, so they got together and they charged yeah. like as a team yeah exactly that is so cool so it's 
really it's really nice having them around <laughs> i never knew mule would be like that and why yeah. why is the horse surrounded by the electric fence is it because it might run away if it's spooked yeah so the horses are flighty they're like from so the my crew leader would always give us this breakdown of the difference between a mule and a horse and the horse is like from the plains right and so there's fight or flight but they've only ever had to use flight yeah like throughout their history because they can just they're fast so they can just book it but uh, a mule is a half horse half donkey and donkeys are from like the mountains canyons and mountains and often you're on a precipice or something and you can't really you can't really flee you can't flight so they have to be a little bit more cognizant and like be able to stand their ground or not get into those sorts of situations so they're smarter um but the so so that's it's nice to have the mules around for when there's big animals and stuff but um the other thing is that the horses are always dominant and at the top of the chain the mules will always like uh submit to the horse and they'll follow the horse wherever the horse goes so if we keep if we can keep the horse where he is then we know that the mules will stay as well wow you're bestowing so much wisdom on me right now i never knew any of this (laughs) my mind is blown (laughs) happy to help (laughs) that is so cool about the um, about everything holy cow i never knew that about i never knew that about the mules I never knew that about like why the horses would be like that or anything, but because yeah. I know um, we have stayed at a couple of different like Airbnbs in British Columbia in a couple of different farms and like they have a lot of sheep, I think it was in one farm, but they have llamas. They have a lot of llamas as oh, um, cool. to as a guard animal or something, if that's what you might <laughs> call it. I don't know what yeah. like a bodyguard for the sheep or something will be a llama because they are uh, protective and they are also a little bit aggressive. So they will, they will like square up to a bear. I was told, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. (laughs) That's a fight I'd pay to see for sure. I'm telling you, there could be some money in a market for this. (laughs) (laughs) Llama bear fights. Yeah. (laughs) But um, no, overall, man, that is uh, super cool. I'm not going to take up too much more of your time. So uh, one, thank you for coming on and just talking to us a little bit about everything and about your writing, about where you get your inspiration from, about living in the wild and everything like that. And I guess just on a closing note, if you could talk to every single person in the world about nature conservation and give them all a bit of advice, what would you say? Uh, I'd say that wherever you are, you're in nature and it takes just a mindset more than anything to have an experience in it. So, um, yeah, the sidewalk was poured on top of natural ground. So 
and it's a beautiful world and there's always something there that'll um is beautiful and true and good so just keep your eyes open for it it's all around us that is awesome and i think that's like a really really valuable and insightful thing to hear especially in covid times because a lot of people are isolated locked down and you know they're indoors for a lot of it but what you just said there like concrete is poured over nature and everything i think that will resonate with a lot of people thank you very much tim it's a pleasure talking ronan good to see you and that ladies and gentlemen was the authentic english conversation between ronan and tim i hope you enjoyed it if you enjoyed it please share this podcast with a friend if you did not enjoy it please share this podcast with someone that you hate but overall what you should do now is go back and listen again listen for some phrases listen for some new words Do not forget to check out the uh, follow-up podcast where I go into the podcast in detail and I explore the keywords and phrases which came up. Overall, I hope you are happy, I hope you are healthy, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Check out the website www.englishwithronan.com, catch me on Instagram, YouTube, all of that jazz. Thank you for listening.